What's going on, everybody? It's Sean from the From the Stands podcast. Big episode coming your way. But first, we have to shout out our sponsor, Stephen Liambus Real Estate. Stephen's a top producing realtor in the greater Toronto area, known for his extensive market knowledge and unmatched devotion to his clients. Whether you are looking to buy, sell, or lease, he is there to help guide you through every step of the way. Be sure to check him out on Instagram at homesbystephen or online at homesbystephen.ca. Enough of the plugs. Let's get to the podcast. Another big podcast, and of course, a few more big guests, Ian. Who, who's here right now? We loved it so much last time, we figured we'd do it twice. We got Tomes back, and we got Murph back in the house. What's up, boys? Thanks for joining us again. Good to be back. Thanks really for having us. What up, Tomes? We appreciate you guys doing it, man. We appreciate you guys doing it. I, I think before we get to what we normally like to get to, which is some football stuff, some picks, all that sort of stuff, I think what we need to talk about is what happened the other night. There was a trophy awarded to Los Angeles Dodgers, who were victorious in the World Series against Tampa Bay Rays, winning in six. But, Sean, the conversation isn't about the victory. It's about what happened post-game. No, it's, it's why not why about— don't you, Why don't you enlighten everyone? It, yeah, it's not about Blake Snell being pulled in the sixth inning. With only 73 pitches, a man on first base, one out, and only having basically given up two hard-hit balls. It's not about Mookie Betts hitting the clinching home run, even though it wasn't the game winning, but that ceiling home run to make it 3-1. It's not about Clayton Kershaw finally breaking through the mold with two very quality starts in the World Series. It's about COVID-19 because it's 2020. In the second inning, Major League Baseball, and we're not going to go through it all, but Major League Baseball got an inconclusive test about Justin Turner, the third baseman, they expedited another test, came back positive in the eighth inning, so they yanked him. And we find out, as they're celebrating on the field, that he has COVID. Well, Tomes, you watched the celebration. How did it make you feel? So the, the first thing I noticed was, you know, after the celebration, you know, ball goes in the pocket, guys are flying all over the place everyone's celebrating it's awesome and what what looked to me as as i'm assuming some sort of athletic trainer maybe equipment manager is like beeline from the dugout to uh to the field to start handing out masks now just assuming that okay we're in a covid world you know everyone's got to be wearing masks i thought the and same then, thing yeah. right that's what yeah. i thought i just yeah, assumed it was that i also thought shit this would have been a great opportunity for, you know, city of champions or some sort of LA Dodgers mask. Right. But then, when you, it, but then when, when you start following on Twitter and you start hearing what's going on, you realize this was had nothing to do with that. This had everything to do with Justin Turner ter testing positive. So from what I'm, I understand, he had an inconclusive test. So they had sent a, a secondary test, which had come back positive for yeah. COVID which they had relayed the message to MLB. MLB had relayed that message to the Dodgers, and he was told to be removed to the game, but he wasn't removed until the eighth inning. I eighth think it was. inning, and Friedman comes down 
and is talking to Dave Roberts being like, we got to get this guy out of the game. And apparently, I think Ruiz is the backup third baseman. Everyone in the stadium has no idea what the hell is going on. Like, no idea. This but guy. You, you have to assume that all the players, all the Dodgers, players especially, had to have known what was going on. No? You think? I, th- I thought he was hurt. I thought he was hurt too. Because even if you heard on the broadcast, and I'm not sure, depending on which broadcast people listen to, the MLB International, which is the one I listen to, because I can't listen to those other guys over there. They were talking about it like... <laughs> What is going on? They just assumed that Turner was hurt. So, Ian, uh, two quick questions for you. If you're Dave Roberts, do you tell your your team that Justin Turner has COVID? And the second follow-up is, put tell me about the, the celebration at the end and what that meant to you. Okay, so I'm just going to get this out of the way. This was so fucking irresponsible. It makes me sick. It makes me sick. And the fact that Manfred, that dipshit, comes out here and is praising the MLB and the players for all the work that was put in to to make this what it was, for how disorganized the MLB is, it couldn't have ended any other way with a guy testing positive. And then when they say, hey, you cannot go back out there, him just refusing and them just being like, okay, cool, and letting him back out there. You know, uh, I know you didn't ask me this. I did not, but that's okay. I know you didn't ask me this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer this way anyway. Turner should be suspended for a year. And there should be no exceptions to that. Dave Roberts had cancer. Yeah. Kenley Jansen had COVID in, I believe, in the summer. And I think he has heart issues. He's still people, having complications. People could fucking die, man. Are you serious? Like, I, like, I, I, and what it was, it was a perfect, and I don't want to get into politics. What I do want to say is that this was a perfect microcosm of where the United States is, yeah. is that you have a group of people that are taking it seriously. And they are the group of people that were staying away from Turner, that were freaked out, that were eager to put on their mask. And then you have the other group, the Turner types, who just think it's a joke. People die every day from this. And it is so irresponsible and so disgusting. I, I, I don't even know. I don't even remember what your questions were. I'm so upset. No problem. The Connor, celebration, you- the celebration, you're right. The celebration was so uncomfortable. Manfred, you know, getting booed was perfect, but it, it, he, all of he it. He wasn't wearing a mask. Oh, no, so that was crazy. Oh. Him and, him and Seeger are basically making I, out I, out there in center field. <laughs> Connor, jump in quickly because then I, I'll give my final thoughts because we got to get to football. I, it's it's really weird that Turner lasted longer in the game with COVID than Snell did while he was pitching a gem, right? Wow, <laughs> like that's ridiculous. It's actually ridiculous, and it's not like they could have been like, "Oh, we had no idea." You knew that the test, like the test the day before, came back inconclusive, and they were going to expedite his second test. So you knew there was always a chance, even if it's a 2% chance, there's always a chance that this could happen. It, bl- it actually blows my place. When they pulled him and I saw on Twitter why they pulled him from the game, I was like, how does, how does he last past Snell? And how does Snell not, you know, not to kind of divert way too much off topic here, but how does Snell not stay in for those next six batters? Oh, you're getting to real baseball, Connor. We can't do that. I'm oh, right. My bad. My right. bad. My hey, bad. That's on okay. me. I just had one thing. You yep. noticed while the broadcast was still going on, the TV broadcast, that is, Turner was never out there. No. I it went wasn't to bed. until that the TV broadcast ended. And if you were following along on Twitter, 
or any other sports. No, I think when it was he was on Fox. I think Fox kept it going. Fox we, kept you it and going. I were okay, so on the MLB yeah. one, I noticed it ended, and then I was following along on Twitter, and then I start seeing pictures of him with all the guys next to Kershaw. With the, next to Kershaw, kissing his wife. Okay, all right. Crazy. Anyways. So let's end, let's end this here. And I'm sorry to like be the javelin, but a couple of things. First off, uh, what's crazy is he took the test the, that morning, got the test at the second inning. But then when MLB is in trouble, oh shit, I can get it in six innings. Okay, so there's number one. All right, but maybe maybe expedite all your tests for the World Series first and foremost. Second, I understand the devil's advocate of yes. He was already with all these players. If they, if he already transmitted it, then he would have done it in the eight innings that he was in that dugout. But what one thing we know about this virus is the longer you're around someone with it, the more chance that you have to get it. And I know MLB's response was embarrassing. That is, that is a stupid answer to anyone that says that. You're a fucking idiot. MLB's response was ridiculous. It's ridiculous. They came out the next day basically shitting on justin turner yeah. okay what justin turner did was selfish and he put people at risk okay absolutely. he absolutely did he did i'm t- i'm sorry major league baseball doesn't have to let him go out there oh what if i say that i that i want to just walk into the acc without a ticket i get to do that no what you don't have security to, to handle this? You have to protect him from himself. This is the happiest moment of his life outside of potentially marriage and kids. You have to do your job to not let him put himself and other people in that position. What Justin Turner did was selfish. It was irresponsible. What Major League Baseball did and with their message was disgusting. It was disgusting. It's your job to not allow this. And even when if Justin Turner did not come back out, my favorite not my favorite, my favorite parts of the games. I love the celebrations. I, yeah. I'm dead tired after Stanley Cup finals, Super Bowls, NBA championships, but I stay and watch because it's the happiest moment of those guys' lives and those women's lives and women's sports. And it was ruined because I'm sitting there like, who's going to die? Who's going to be sick? And so, you know what? It's, we had to talk about it because it was literally the biggest topic this week. But come on. Dodgers, Major League Baseball, be better. Are you kidding? Where are we right now? This is, it was crazy. And I, I feel so bad for the Tampa Bay race. That's how I'm going to end off here. But I'm sorry that I took up more of the time than I wanted to, boys. Can we get happy? Ian, what are we doing now? Let's get happy. We got a game coming up. We're going to, we are going to play a new game called Fill in the Blanks. And what's going to happen is Sean and I are going to alternate reading the various fill in the blanks, and then all of us are going to answer. So fairly simple. Does everyone understand? It's like sports libs, mad libs. Yeah. Just have a little fun. So we let's start, let's start with the first one. First one's easy. All right. Justin Jefferson is the best rookie wide receiver since blank. Connor, you start. I would say Michael Thomas, right? I mean, that's kind of the, maybe I'm just kind of drawn to that because I legit think he has a chance to break like, what he had set as a rookie statistically, I, I think there's a real chance that, it, you know, we see Jefferson get to nine touchdowns. He may even end up eclipsing 1100 yards, but that was the first guy I thought of. I, I think, you know, the, the last rookie I was truly enamored by was Odell Beckham, but I think it's going to be kind of a tall task for him to even reach what Odell did statistically as a rookie. So just to give you an idea, what Odell did as a rookie. 
So oh, we're getting there. I, I got oh, we, we, You don't oh, think people are picking there. Odell here, baby? Well, I will say this. What Odell did, remember, he only did in 12 games. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it only he only started 11 of those 12 games. Correct. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask it again. Tomes, Just Jefferson's the best rookie wide receiver since blank. Per- perfect segue. My, my pick was OBJ. And, and what Connor nailed on the head there is he's on pace for, I think, seven or eight touchdowns, which, which will not be close to OBJ's. I think he had 12 his rookie year. And again, that's 12 games, 11 starts. What he is on pace for is passing OBJ's yards that year. Mm-hmm. Again, yes. I get it. It's only 11 starts. But if Jeff- Jefferson were to keep this up, like he's infringing or encroaching rather on almost 1,400 yards received, which is astonishing. It's absurd. Right? Yeah, he, he is number three in the NFL in receiving yards right now, 537, which is only if you go back, because I had to go back and I had to look at Randy Moss's rookie season. Oh, the best. Just oh. just to see the numbers. So he has 10 more yards than Moss did at this point. But Moss finished with like 17 touchdowns. That That's right. <laughs> right. The best wide receiver rookie season. And, and, and Moss only Moss only started 11 of those 16 games. What a freaking animal. Yeah. So, so for me, for me, it's right now, it's uh, Michael Thomas is good when I was looking at it as well, too. But for me right now, it's uh, it's OBJ. That's best yes. rookie receiver since OBJ. So I think the best comp there would, would be Thomas because, again, Jefferson would have to do something spectacular in the second half here from a touchdown perspective to reach that that type of echelon that these guys have. And I'm going to throw this out here. And I'm not shitting on Justin Jefferson. I thought this was a bit of a trick question because it's like, He's the best rookie wide receiver since, and I feel like you could probably, by the end of the season, pick like 12 since OBJ that had a season like Je- Jefferson's going to end up with. I think his numbers are a little bit inflated. Even though, even though he's a great route runner, he is he's exceeded my expectations for sure. I was going to say CeeDee Lamb is a joke, only partially. Uh, my answer was also Odell. My, my, uh, to be honest, before we get to you, Ian, my initial, the first one that came to my head was actually Allen Robinson, but I mm. forgot that he had that beast. He had that like six game rookie season yeah, where he was, he, he was in like 11 games, yeah. but barely played. And then his first full season was 1400 yards and 14 touchdowns. So it was going to be Allen Robinson, but to, to, to Tom's point and that Connor had said, it's Odell for me as well. I, that first year, first full year that Robinson had with Blake, that's when I sat back and thought that guy's Des Bryant. And, yeah. you know, I don't want to get into a whole Allen Robinson thing because I adore that guy. And he said to play with, absolute trash at quarterback so i'll just leave that there um so i'm going to tell you where my mind actually went my mind went in the beginning went straight to amari cooper and i had the drops right yep he had the drops i i you know i'm not you know and let's put this out there um justin jefferson's the number one ranked receiver on pro football focus which for a rookie is absolutely absurd bananas his his teammate adam thielen who's more of the red zone touchdown guy is number four So Jefferson at 21 is cruising right now. And it's not like he's got Aaron Rodgers or Dak Prescott or Mahomes chucking him the rock. Um, I was between, I was between OBJ, Mike Thomas. I even looked at Mike Evans. um, But to me, I think strictly, I I think he's more like Thomas, but I think where he's going to end up, he's so good. We're going to be talking about where he's at with OBJ. So that's mine too. So, Sean, what's number? What's our second one? Perfect. So the second one here, boys, is if you're starting a franchise 
and you can select one of only Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, or Trevor Lawrence, you are taking blank. Ian. I intentionally didn't write an answer to this one because I was curious. Um, my gut is would lean Lawrence, but it's close. I think what Burrow has done exceeds expectations. I mean, I think if I had to rank it, I'd probably go Burrow, Lawrence, Kyler, Allen. Um, I'm still not sold on Allen completely yet. I love how much of a roller coaster he is. Um, he's definitely improved, whether he's like a top tier franchise guy, we just don't know. Um, so I'm going to go with Burrow here. I mean, he has impressed me so, so, so much. I mean, he's playing behind a garbage offensive line. You know, AJ Green is the same player. I mean, he's throwing to a really, really good Tyler Boyd and a rookie in T Higgins, and he's just making it rain. I love that dude. I got Burrow. Initially, I said Kyler because I've seen this guy make some of the dumbest throws I've ever seen in my life mm. in a good way. I mean, there are very few people that can put the football where he does when he wants to. What Burrow's done in the pocket with that terrible O-line protecting him yes, has been insane. Like insane. And it's not just it's not like he's only dropping back 20 times a game either. I mean, we're seeing this guy throw the ball almost every down. So it's a, that that kind of put Burrow ahead. For me, just in terms, you know, that old line's only going to get better. He's only going to get better. Uh, right now, it's Burrow for me. Tom's. Yeah, I, I was intrigued by Lawrence as well too, and it's just it's hard to pick him with with not seeing him take an NFL snap yet, right? And and maybe this is something you know in the future we could always come back and revisit. I really, really, really just absolutely love what Kyler Murray is doing. He yeah. is so fun to watch. Oh I mean, man, he's insane. It's insane. It is right. And I know in the past we've talked about, you know, these smaller shifty QBs have had a rough time, you know, yeah, they're mobile, but can they really, can they really prove it? And I think we, we got to finally see that over the years with Russ and disproving a lot of people with coming through and winning a Super Bowl and, and now showing that he wants to be a little bit more of a pocket QB. But but to Connor's point, and Ian, you, you touched on it a little bit too, for me, it's Joe Burrow, right? And like you said, he's passing on every down. He's first in, 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 in passes attempted. If I'm not mistaken, he might be first in passes completed as well. He's third in passing yards total, right? Now he's, he's losing all the time. So He's that helps. Yeah. And yeah. That helps yeah, but the right? team is absolute dog garbage. Yeah. Just yeah. garbage. Dumpster fire, right? But so listen, who do you, who you, who the you best, best case scenario. Say, so I'm taking Joe. Sorry, Burrow. go ahead. You're the, taking Burrow. Best, okay. best case scenario for that team is Joe Burrow continues to get live reps against yeah. real teams and not kill better himself, not get killed, hopefully. And this team doesn't do well. Hopefully gets a higher pick and they continue to build around him. So for Ian, me, it's, it's, it's Joe Burrow. Ian, really quick. Of the four that we mentioned, obviously Lawrence is excluded. Who's the best quarterback right now? Kyler, Allen. Josh Allen, or Burrow? Allen, you have higher Allen. than Kyler. Okay. Yeah, so Allen. my answer, I think it's I hate close, to, though. I hate to go chalk. Uh, it's Burrow for me. I, I just think that he has something. And it's so hard. Like, I, I think Kyler's the best quarterback of these three right now. Oh, interesting. And that's he does Hopkins. Make, he makes, he I, makes I, throws. Kyler makes throws that are like, excuse me, what? It's literally yeah, like when it, Drew Locke drops like when he back hiked and throws the ball. triple coverage, but he actually completes the passes. And you're like, oh, this is going to be stupid. <laughs> Sorry, this happens. Give me one second, and then I promise you'll go. When the game last week where Hopkins was in single coverage and they had a camera on and Kyler, laugh- and he's laughing. <laughs> he was laughing. That is – I'm sorry. Like, yes, it's Burrow, but 
Oh, Kyler. No, I, and that's the thing. Like the easy picker is Kyler. He's, I think he's the best quarterback of these four right now. I don't even know why Trevor Lawrence is in this, honestly. Like, it, with all due respect to the to the pick the line to the uh, fill in the blanks quiz master here, but I, I don't even think. It, but for me, it just I feel like Burrow just has something. And I'm not saying that Kyler or Josh doesn't, but I didn't see it this early with them. There's so I'm going to go Burrow here. Yeah. It's just got something. All right, next one. As we talk about Kyler, we're also going to talk about this guy. I, I believe DeAndre Hopkins is still leading the league in yards. And that leads into our next one. The DeAndre Hopkins trade is the worst NFL trade since blank. Let's start with you, Sean. Okay, so there is one trade that I think is the most obvious, but I'm not going to pick it because I'm almost positive someone has to. So if you don't, I'll circle back. I think the worst trade for me is it's the worst trade since the Antonio Brown trade. A first, it was a third and a fifth for Antonio Brown. He didn't even play. He recorded himself celebrating being cut, froze his feet off in a cryogenic chamber. Yeah, it's Antonio Brown. Yelled about his helmet. It's Antonio Brown. I'm sorry. Like you, you just literally just gave uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers a third and a fifth just for literally for a headache. That's it. It's Antonio Brown. And the whole world got to see because they were on hard knocks. Yeah. So Ooh, awesome. Tomes, you're next. Yeah, I, I had a. I, I'm not gonna lie. I had about three or four yeah, on my list too. here, just in case as well, too. Because I honestly, I can make a case for a lot of them, but for for me, it's 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 the again. We're talking Raiders again now. Here, it's the Thanks, Raiders man. trading Randy Moss to the New England Patriots in 2007 for a fourth round pick. Yeah. That's yeah. the most recent. That's no, the it's, it's the worst it's, trade since then. There's not a I guess you know what that you that is what? so bad. You know what, Tom's my apologies. That no, is no, so no. bad. There's some other ones. There's some other no, ones. But it's worth and, it. and, and and like you said, Sean, if no one else mentions right. it, I'll circle back as well too. I have some other ones on the list. It's just so egregious because of what happens after. Agreed. Right. He partners up with Tom Brady. He has one of the best seasons ever from a wide receiver as they go 16 and 0. He. Finishes with 1,493 yards. Oh, I receiving, hate this game. 23 touchdowns. And then he finishes with over 1,000 yards receiving for the next two seasons after that. Me, it was Marshawn Lynch, man. That guy getting Ooh. booed out. That guy getting booed out of Buffalo and getting traded for two mid-round picks only to go on to become one of the best running backs I've ever seen play in the NFL is – it's – it's it's funny. Like I, I don't I really want to be nicer to Seattle to uh Buffalo fans, but it just it makes me laugh every time I think about it. I think of the clip of him sitting there at Applebee's in Buffalo and going behind the bar and pouring his own soda and saying that he's a regular. Like I think about that. How can you not love that guy in Buffalo? Connor, have you ever seen the clip when he's talking about like he, he didn't really know what Buffalo was and he thought he was going to New York? Yep. And he said he gets off the plane and man, it was cold and there was slush on the ground and What's this? Yeah, I don't know if that guy's tailor-made for Buffalo. So, for me, it was between two. The first one that honestly popped in my head, and this one wasn't in the running. It was the first one that popped in my head. was when um, the Patriots traded Richard Seymour to the Raiders, and they gave up a first, and Seymour sucked. Um, That was one. Another Raiders one. A lot of Raiders ones. (laughs) So, to me, it was going to be – initially, it was going to be the Trent Richardson trade. When Trent Richardson was traded – to the Indianapolis Colts for a first-round pick. Trent, obviously, was terrible. Uh, had maybe the worst field vision of anyone we've ever seen. But the problem is Cleveland turned that first-round pick into Johnny Menzel. So that one is out. The worst trade, 
since the, so the, this is the worst That's trade the ever. And it is the Mitchell Trubisky yeah. Bears trade. Yeah, so okay. the Bears yes, traded up is. one spot to draft Mitch Trubisky number two overall. And they gave up a first, two thirds, and a fourth to move up one spot. And normally this wouldn't be a problem. Hey, you have your guy, you want to go get him. The problem is that the guy they left out there and the guy they didn't even schedule a workout with, and that's Patrick Mahomes. And Trubisky now is got bench for Nick Foles, which is not ideal for anyone. So to me, the worst one is the Trubisky trade. On to the next one. That was actually, that was also mine, but I knew someone else would have it. Tomes, really quick, what was the other ones that you had? The only the only other one that I, that I had was the Redskins setting three first round. We don't picks. say that word on this podcast. Sorry. They are the football team. The, the now. Washington football team. The Washingtonians sent three first round picks and a second round into the Ray to the Rams. Sorry. RG three. To, for RG three. Yeah. Now to be fair, it that would have been worked. Yeah. It would have gone hurt. Shanahan it. sucks. Yeah. The only other one that was in the discussion is when um God. The Bills traded Carolina a third and a seventh for Kelvin Benjamin. Yeah, that was really bad. He showed up fat. Uh, but we can go on about these all day, and we've done enough worse trades right. in the past right. two You're weeks. Right. So right. let's move on to the next one. I'm throwing to you first, Connor. Tom Brady is currently the blank best quarterback in the NFL right now. Not all time, just right now, Connor. According to Pro Football Focus, he's third. Did you ever get your money back? No, I, I, but I have to because there's a lot I need to complain about later. Yeah. For me, it's seventh. I mean, it, it's really tough for me to put him ahead of Tannehill, Rodgers, Russ. I mean, Allen's playing unreal right now. You know, I, I still even have – I have Lamar Jackson above him. You know, it, there's so there's still so many guys that I would put above him. Like, and I, I like him. I, li- I like – I think what Brady's done is awesome. I'm not trying to discount anything that he's done. But I, I've got him at seventh right now. Holmes, Tom Brady is the blank best quarterback in the NFL right now. Very close to Connor. I am at sixth. And and for me, it's 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 Russ, Patty, Rogers, Tannehill, and Watson before him. And and if you look at all the numbers and you compare them, I mean, all those guys I just mentioned uh, are better than him in some form or another, whether it's yards, completion, average, uh, interception percentage, et cetera. The only thing that I will point out that he is only second to Russ in, that's touchdown passes, right? He's second to Russ right now. He's got 18 TDs. Very impressive. I think that team is finally starting to click. Uh, I like what I'm seeing, uh, but I have him, uh, I am six overall right now. Six best, six jump, best QB. Jump in. Uh, yeah. You actually, did you steal my homework? Because I had him sixth also. Uh, I think, I think context is a bit important here. I think Brady's been phenomenal. He's the arm strength is still there, which is not the case with Brady's obviously Uh, the arm strength is still there and you know, he's making all the throws and he looks great, particularly recently. Um, I think there, there is a little bit of context that matters in terms of supporting cast and he has a really damn good one. Um, Good offensive line. Ronald Jones has turned into a really good back and then those receivers. I mean, now with Antonio Brown, they are legitimately, legitimately, legitimately four deep. So, um, you know, I mean, I think that kind of matters. I had him fifth, sixth. So it was between him and Tannehill for that fifth spot. I had, you know, Russ Rogers, Mahomes, Watson, and then Tannehill and Brady are sort of there for five, six. So that's where I'm going to leave it. So I, I was tempted to put Prescott in here because of what he was True. in this season, True. but he's hurt now. I did not have Tannehill. 
Uh, and I think what's ironic is that, you know, we're downgrading him for having weapons now and being so good. And yet we elevated him in the past for not having weapons. Completely and, fair. Know, that, that's, that's probably right. I think Mahomes, Wilson, and Rodgers are in a tier all by themselves. I, I think that is just the way. And Mahomes probably in a tier on his own. Then the next two. Watson's um, knocking on the door. I have him. I had, I had him penned in as 5'6", uh, like you, Ian. But I'm going to put him fourth. I'm going to put him ahead of Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen and Ryan Tannehill. And it's again, it's we're talking right now. So we're talking recent. We're talking. He's no, no, no. He Watson right now I have is like my seventh best quarterback. So it is very much recency bias. I understand that, but that's what the question is. So for recency bias, I have Tom Brady fourth in as a quarterback in the NFL right now. All right. Next one. This one is near and dear to our friend Connor's heart. We, him and I were arguing about this today. This if, question hurt my feelings when I read it. If I had, if 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 you had to pick which rookie start was more disappointing between Cam Akers and Jerry Judy, you would pick blank. Connor, why don't you start? Yeah. Because either one of these hurts your feelings. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's got to be Cam just because there was, after the draft, it really did seem like there was a clear path for him to take over as the running back one there, and it just didn't happen. Um, and I mean, Ian and I talked a little this morning about it. Even I think to be fair, we argued about it this morning. I didn't think we argued. I heard you out, man. I think that a lot of people perceived lamb to be lesser than Jude. I, I think a lot of people thought that the gap between Judy and lamb was greater than it really was. Whereas for me, I had them very much one, a one B coming out of college. So I think a lot of people have seen what lamb has done and it surprised them. And a lot of people have seen Judy in a what's really, I do not think, has been a great situation the first third of the season and sort of struggle because of it. Now, week one, he absolutely did not look good. Two of his three drops were week one. Um, since then, he's gotten open a bit. But, I mean, he's had three different quarterbacks throwing him the ball. Uh, he's got, what, two O-linemen that have been half decent all year. What does O-linemen have to do with him catching the football? has to do with the quarterback that's throwing him the football. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So it's Holmes. Cam for you. Yeah, it's Cam. Okay. You, you know, coming into that draft as, you know, as an Eagle fan and knowing 100% the Eagles were taking a receiver, it was like, okay, who do you want? Obviously, I wanted CD. I wanted Lamb. There's no question. But, you know, there's Lamb, there's Judy, there's Ruggs, mm-hmm. you know, Rieger, whatever. But then there's Jefferson as well, too, I thought we were going to get. Okay. So Judy goes as the. Well, that one's going to stay. That was, oh. Hey, that Rieger is back this weekend, by the way. For Dallas week. Just great. Okay. Judy goes as the number two receiver taken in the first round. Right. Mm -hmm. So as of today, he's being outperformed by all other wide receivers taken in the first round, the exception being Ruggs and Rieger, who hasn't hasn't really played. Right. Both because of because of injury for the most part. Most for the most part, injuries, right? You look at production-wise, though, and the biggest thing that, you know, like the majority of his production right now is actually coming from him playing in the slot, which kind of surprised me a little bit. So he's getting he's, – he's 11 of 23 for 139, and he's caught his only touchdown coming actually from the outside. So I, I understand they're trying to find where he fits best maybe still in this offense. Um, I, I think the biggest thing that really shocked me, if you want to go to numbers, is that he's averaging 2.03 yards per route, and it's ranked just uh, 35th or 34th overall right now amongst rookie receivers. And that was the biggest thing. I, I, I thought that that 
they'd really be able to, to get them involved in, in the middle of the field, getting splitting, you know, linebackers and safeties and drawing attention or, or getting to the second level. Really haven't seen it from him yet. So, so my pick's uh, Jerry Judy. I hated this huh. question. It because, only because it's two kids. One of them doesn't have a quarterback and doesn't have his star wide receiver on the other side to take away some of the attention. Argument against that. Apparently, Tim Patrick can do it, so why can't you? Uh, Cam Akers. That dude's balling. Yeah, yeah. Cam Akers is the third best running back on his team right now. I think it's unfair to label him as a disappointment right now. He's dealt with some injuries. And the Rams are just weird, man. Their offense is just freaking weird. Okay, Daryl Henderson is is balling, and then all of a sudden, it's like, here you go, Malcolm. Go ahead. Or Daryl's rolling, and it's like, come on, Cam. Why don't you come in against the flow of play, and here's a draw play from, on third and eight. Like, I just... I don't think it's fair, but yeah, to me, the bigger disappointment is Jerry Judy because of how high I was on him. I thought he was going to be the best wide receiver of this class. He still could be, but he's the biggest disappointment so far. The bigger disappointment so far. Judy was my number one prospect coming into the draft. And for fantasy or for football? That's a good question. You know, after Burrow, after Burrow, I thought Jerry Judy was the best player in the draft. And I, I, I still feel that way. I wouldn't, that wouldn't change. I think... You know, both of them have just really not been good. And I think the problem with Akers is that it's not that Daryl Henderson's getting the rock because Henderson was had a fairly high draft pedigree too. It's that he's getting outplayed by Malcolm Brown. That's really not ideal. I understand that there's injuries. Um, so, you know, we, we're going to give it time. I think it, the reason it's Judy is because of the expectation. The expectation was that he's going to come in and make a difference. Now, rookie wide receivers – it, they typically struggle. Obviously, we talk about Jefferson. He's just in a different class right now. But when I watch Jerry Judy, obviously, the, the drop rate is concerned. Um, this is someone who needs to sort of get their shit together a little bit. I, when I watch Judy, I see Amari Cooper. That's who I see. I see an exquisite route runner and an explosive player who, given the opportunity, can pop the roof off the defense. The problem is... The problem is just like the problem is with Amari Cooper is you go quarters and you forget he's on the field. And that's Judy's problem is that you, you, you just, you go and you'd be like, there's Patrick, there's Fant, there's a Booga Booga Bam, the tight end. And you don't even notice Judy's on the field. And that is very, very, very Amari Cooperish. Now, if you get a receiver that's as good as Amari Cooper, not the worst thing. I mean, Amari is super, super good. But if you were one of these guys that were expecting to get a game-to-game impact from Judy, and again, as a rookie, not necessarily expected, but you expected more flashes than what you're seeing. Expectations were higher. It's Judy. And I think what you got to worry about moving forward is if you're the Broncos, is this going to be a situation where obviously Sutton comes back next year? That helps. But is Judy going to be Amari where you, you don't know what you're getting week to week? So right now it's Judy. Lots can change. It's so early. Lots can change. He's played six or seven games. And what you don't want, though, is wide receiver one talent with wide receiver two or three production. That's not what you want. And that's what Amari Cooper is. So we got a couple more here, boys. So here we are. For the next three seasons, you can have any wide receiver receiver duo currently playing together to start a franchise. You are taking who, Ian? So... I want to throw out some. No, 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 no. Circle back. Call okay. out your call. Okay, yeah. well, circle back. Um, it's hard not to pick the two guys that are currently playing right now. 
Um, but the two that I would take moving forward is Metcalf and Lockett. Oh, ah, uh, no, wait, you, we all had them. Hold on, Sean, you had them. I didn't. Have I them. had them, and now I'm changing my them. answer. <laughs> so, I thought no. I thought no way. I thought no one was okay, so, like okay. you know, most most underrated duo right okay, now. Okay, no, I, I have another one. My number two, I'll take. Okay. Okay, so the the reason I say that is because. Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, and I was talking to friend of the program, Ryan Koval, about this today. They complement each other so well because I was going to go in a different direction, actually. I wasn't going to go with the two guys who are playing tonight. I had a different duo that I thought was that I thought was, you know, just on a different planet right now. But he's so right. They complement each other so well. Lockett is so polished and so explosive. And yeah, like there are games he has three catches for 30 yards, but then there are games where he throws up. 200 and two touchdowns like he did the other day but they are so perfect together because Metcalf is the physical specimen the guy that is going to take the matchup and bully people basically to get to wherever he wants to go and thunder and lightning right Ian yeah it's just perfect it's perfect so to me it's them but there's so many good ones and I know there's one that is not going to get mentioned there's I'm I'm just going to say it now there's one that's not going to get mentioned and one that it they're coming and that is Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. Those two are coming, and they're going to be legit for Pittsburgh for a while. So they were on my list. I'm going to jump in here. Just, just the Atlanta was going to be part of it, but Julio's 31. So you're talking the next True. three years. Calvin Ridley's turned into an absolute stud. So you you took my guy. I'll take Chris Godwin and Mike Evans then. Okay, I'll take I'll take those two big this. boys. <laughs> yeah. Now you got to pick another one, Connor. This. All right, Tom's go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you could, you could have went the Godwin Evans way as well. Um, I'm worried I, I, about Antonio Brown there, though. I don't know how that's all going to look. Yeah, it's you're, no, you're starting you're starting a franchise. Antonio's gone; he's in a cryo chamber somewhere. Yeah, I, I mean, just to touch on the on the Lockett Metcalf, like most deep passes at any tandem last year were 32. They they're individually ninth and eleventh in yards. And then fifth and eleventh in yards per game, and then first and fifth in touchdowns, right? And and then you have DK Leon looking out for his boy Lockett. Listen, this is the most under, underrated wide receiver in football. Shit, this might be the worst. Well, up until we all just agreed, this might have been one of the most underrated wide receiver combos, right? But I guess, and unless Connor has this as his pick, uh, I think one that you can begin to maybe start thinking about as well too is. Is is Michael Thomas when he comes back and and uh, and anyone and or, or anyone. anyone but yeah. yeah and who sorry Traycon 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 yeah okay yeah it's a good one you could you could have thrown Kamara in there too I guess as a yeah, pass I mean, catcher but you're just talking wide receiver leading receiver yeah. on that team right but now. wide receiver wide receivers that's fair yeah. that's fair all right Connor lay it lay it on us baby so I was going Evans and Godwin uh, Godwin because you I can really, still. No, I know. I'm just saying I really like the thunder and lightning idea like you guys were saying, right? I, I had a feeling that if I wasn't going first that, you know, DK and Lockett would get taken. Um, they I'm would shocked. be probably the 1B for me in terms of a thunder and lightning duo. Someone that can, you know, do it all with his size and another guy that runs insanely good routes and is quick and really never drops the ball. Um, another one I kind of had my eye on was C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper. Oh, hold on. CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper or CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup? Okay, no, no, hang on. Before you go, Connor, 
if any, if one more person tries to tell me that Michael Gallup's better than Amari Cooper, <laughs> I'm going to snap. No. Cooper's on a different planet. I know. Planet. Stop it. All right. So, CD, ahead, CD and Amari? Talk me through it. CD and Amari would be probably my second pick there if I'm not getting a thunder and lightning type. And it's it, we're seeing some grown man stuff out of CD that we saw at Oklahoma. That was oh my God. I know <laughs> literally my only concern with him coming out of college is that he had to play against big 12 defenses and he's making grown men look like they play in the big 12 right now, which is insane. Great. And I mean, look, Amari Cooper's Amari Cooper for me. He's one of the best route runners in the game. So yeah, yeah I mean, Ian, he, I'm, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you jump in, but I, I, there is one, one I want, like, obviously, I think if Will Fuller had gotten traded to Green Bay before this exercise, you know, the Adams-Fuller thing would have been up there for sure. The only one I'm going to say is I really wanted to try and find a way to get a Tennessee combo in here. The A.J. Brown plus anyone. Jonu, Corey Davis, anyone. But Davis is coming along. He he didn't have it. So, Ian, why don't you – before we get to our last one, why don't you throw out out a few and and let's – and then we'll get on to picks. So I'm a little disappointed that was this one doesn't didn't get mentioned because this was initially my pick before I spoke to Ryan. And that was Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. I mean, yes, Thielen's 30, but he has the game that is going to be able to last. I mean, someone like Julio, who I absolutely adore, is maybe the best wide receiver I've ever seen. Um, someone like him, I, it'd be interesting to see how his, you know, the fact that he's a physical freak, how that ages. That'll be interesting. And I think yeah. Thielen it's, it's is happening. like Jordan yeah. Nelson in a way where – you know, it, it's not helping happening to Julio's athleticism. I think it, what you're seeing is the nagging injuries are coming up a little more frequently. Um, another one I wanted to mention was uh, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. You know, that is one where I, I don't think it's in the – it's not in the same category as the ones that we're talking about. But if Higgins pops, like Higgins could potentially pop, that is one that's really interesting. Boyd's only 25. Higgins is a rookie. I think that is a really good one there too. Obviously not in this conversation. but uh, You have to relax was- on Tyler Boyd. I know you're offering him to me in a trade in our dynasty pool and you want to boost him on the podcast. Tyler you Boyd, have to chill. Like he's like Tyler a 20, Boyd, like top 25. Okay. Like, Tyler, yeah, but it's, but Higgins, what Higgins is doing as a rookie. He's been though, very good. Is as a rookie wide receiver, and he's not one of these first round pedigree guys is pretty remarkable. I mean, I think you're seeing some stuff really early with him so that you know what i think that's its own discussion is which rookie wide receivers would you take now because it's interesting it's probably a mixture of jefferson it's probably like jefferson lamb higgins claypool judy probably right if you redid it so that's an interesting one of its own so on to the next one let's get to the next one so uh, let me read the last one if you don't mind let Uh, me just get let me do that one because okay yep Yep. this is the last one here okay buddy we're gonna go in order and I'm not going to call you guys out. We're going to go into in my screen. Connor, Tomes, Ian, and myself. The last one is, I would rather blank than tackle Derrick Henry in the secondary. Connor, start us off. Oh, geez. Get hit by a train. Uh, you could li- you could literally put anything in there. I do. Because it's not just you getting hurt. So you would rather coming. certain death. I'd rather, yeah, because I'm not going to become a meme because everyone's going to be like, oh, well, yeah, the train did it. That's supposed to do it. Like, I'm not going to become like Josh Norman where I'm everyone, like, I'm literally every person in Tennessee's, like, cell phone background just flying across the screen. Like, no, you'll just, you'll just resurface on Twitter 15 years later. Look at this idiot getting hit by a train. Tom, yeah, maybe. I thought about this, and I thought about a lot of things that I would rather do. And it, it came down to one that, and, and people that know me, will know that this is this hits hard. So I would rather have a panel of the following three people 
call every Eagle game for the rest of my life, which comprised of Chris Sims, Troy Aikman, and Joe <laughs> Buck. I'd rather have the, the biggest giant, the biggest Cowboys homer, and the biggest nerd of all time call every Eagle game for the rest of my life, sit there while my eyes and my ears bleed, and do that. Then get fucking roasted by Derek Henry. By the so way, we have, we by have the way, I'm, I'm not taking for, this Joe Buck slander. I'm not taking this Joe Buck. I, 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 I won't, I won't use time on the pod to talk about it unless you want to do it for another show. I have. I, I have a sit full, down. I have. I can do a full podcast with you guys about how Joe Buck rubs people the wrong way. I have. Special. I have a guest that I want to bring on the show that has a very personal story about Joe Buck, but we'll save that for another time. Another Ian. time. I would so rather than tackle Derrick Henry. Now, if that dude's barreling down on me, it's it's I'm I'm shooting for the knees. Like, and I may drop kick. Like, doesn't matter, bite, like whatever. I would rather eat in and out fries for every meal for the rest of my life <laughs> than have to tackle Derrick Henry in the open field. Now, Connor knows that in and out fries are genuine garbage. They are, they are, uh, they are genuine. I shouldn't need to specialty order French fries. It's not called In-N-Out fries. Oh, let's go to In-N-Out fries for a basket of fries. No one's ever said that. They're terrible. So that's what I would rather do than tackle Derrick Henry. Sean, go ahead. Okay. I thought about this long and hard. And I came to the realization that I would rather be on a Zoom call with Jeffrey Tubin than tackle Derrick Henry. (laughs) That's what I've decided. <laughs> that's amazing. Long and hard came. You like that? That was good. That was pretty good. Uh, all right, boys. That's uh, that's fill in the blanks. It's kind of like match game. It's kind of like Mad Libs, but fuck it. This is what we're doing here. All right, everyone. Let's compose ourselves. Jeffrey Tubin. Word up, buddy. Your career's over. Okay, picks. We're here. So, little recap. Uh, we were all on here last week. So, Connor unfortunately took the took uh did yeah. not get the bag. Uh one and five last week. Tomes and I Go both went two and four, but in our defense, that tight well, you had the Steelers, didn't you, Tomes? That Titans and Seahawks loss was embarrassing. This should have been uh, four and two. Ian took the title last week, five and one. And it wasn't all- for the it wasn't for Nick Foles, it was six and oh. But I got both of my locks. What did I say? The Bears were going to lose, and that Saints game was going to go over. It pushed, but it still pushes a win. So let's get to the picks this week, boys. The first game of the week is, what, the game of the year? It, it, the Chiefs-Ravens was supposed to be game of the year until Pat Mahomes said, uh, you suck. So here we are. The Steelers are at the Ravens. The Ravens are favored by three and a half. That vaunted half point from Vegas. The over-under is 46 and a half. Ian, I'm throwing to you first. Yes. You're mean. So on one hand, this spread does feel a little too high. I'm not sure. Um, I'm, I'm not sure why it's not just a pick them or minus one. Um, the Steelers injuries are a little bit concerning. Deontay Johnson's got another ailment to it's been in and out. Uh, Alejandro Villanueva and others have all missed practice time this week. I don't know what their outlook looks like for Sunday. Um, I think the other thing that's missing from when we talk about last week is we're all, you know, everyone's all excited about the Steelers beating the Titans. And I, that's great. But the Steelers were completely dominated that second half. And if it weren't for the fact that Steven Guskowski isn't good anymore, then we'd be talking about 
two five and one teams playing in this game. We'd be talking about how how real the Titans are. Roethlisberger really struggled in that second half, and it was almost like an epic collapse. I mean, through some really bad picks, you know. And now this week, it's not you know a Dory Jackson, you know Malcolm Butler and those guys, and you know Christian Fulton. It's Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. So you better get your act together if you're Ben Roethlisberger leading up to this game. Baltimore's coming off a bye. This feels like a team that needs a massive win. I know we've said that before, and I feel I feel icky picking them because, you know, they've they've killed me three times already this year. But you know what? I'm going to go with Baltimore. I like them coming off a bye. I'm not worried about no Mark Ingram. I think we're going to see a lot of J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. And frankly, both those players are better than Mark Ingram anyway. I have Baltimore here. Yeah, I mean, I wish this game got flexed to the, sure. to the and yep. to take out the Eagles Cowboys game. Never mind that game. Flex this game, right? I mean, you, you got a showdown of, of just complete strength versus strength here in this game, right? So we have, you know, a very good Ravens offensive line who who was going to be tested early and often against the number one defense and possibly the number one defensive line uh, in Pittsburgh. Uh, I think you're going to have to see uh, Lamar making a lot of plays and, and being mobile and getting outside of the pocket and, and maybe doing a little bit more with his legs rather than his arms uh, or arm rather uh, this week. Uh, I, I think the Ravens, like you, like you nailed it as well. The Ravens have, have, have some big playmakers on defense as well too. And, and they're really going to be forcing big Ben to make some, some mistakes here. Uh, I think the Ravens benefit from, from the extra week here. I don't like what I saw in the fourth quarter from Pittsburgh either. Uh, I have the Ravens and I have the over in this game as well. One thing I want to say before you got, before Sean and Connor jump in the other thing, Thomas mentioned playmakers on that defense. He's a thousand percent, right? What Calais Campbell's doing right now at his age is staggering. And let's not forget they added Yannick and Gakwe. So that defense that is already very, 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 very scary just got much scarier. So, Ben, good luck with that. Jump in, Connor. I think legally I'm not allowed to pick against the Steelers anymore. You did Um, make that promise. You did. I I have to keep it. Um, So, yeah, (laughs) that was pretty quick, right? I'm taking the Steelers, and I've got the over. So there you go. All right. So – just so you know, Ian, the, the home spread now, it's always been three. It's leaned three and a half. What that means is basically if these two teams were playing on a even, basically in a neutral field, they would be, it would be a pick them. So it's just, that's just the home field advantage. Without fans, it gets a little bit crazy. Uh, we're going to see a tale of two tapes here, guys. Road Big Ben and big game Lamar Jackson. Two people who are traditionally not good at what they do in those situations. I was going Ravens. Shazier tried to steer me towards the Steelers. He made a good point. Bud Dupree and TJ Watt are two of the best, um, you know, basically rush passers in the entire NFL right now. And what he said that they're going to try and do is rush the passer without going all out to rush the passer. They're going to rush to contain him in that pocket and turn him into a quarterback and make him not be a football player because he's the best football player in the NFL, but just a slightly above average quarterback. So I'm going to take the Ravens as well, though. Um, That extra half point I don't love, but Harbaugh on two weeks to prepare. To Ian's point, 
Steelers probably should have lost last week. Titans had all the momentum. And if the no Steelers question. lost last week, with if the Steelers lost last week, I probably would have picked them this week. But they didn't. They got lucky. I'm going to take the Ravens, and the under is a lock here. So uh, that's where I'm going. Let's get to the second game. The Los Angeles Rams are at the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins plus four over under 46 and a half. Boys, it's two a time. Connor, who are you taking in the second game this week? I know we talked last week a little bit how the two uh, after the bye week thing felt a bit scripted. Um, even with this feeling scripted, I still don't love him having to go against the Rams. Uh, I'd be totally I, I don't want to see it happen, but I'm worried that he's going to take one weird hit. And we're going to see Fitz in there again. I, I, I don't try. I don't trust the Dolphins to protect him. I don't trust his past with injuries. I don't trust any of that stuff. Um, I'm going the Rams. I'm going the over. So the Dolphins have an absolutely atrocious offensive line, 26th and 27th in the league. And what they're terrible at is protecting the passer. That's sure not are. what you want going uh, with your rookie quarterback going up against Aaron Donald with pre- with basically coverage in the secondary from Jalen Ramsey and John Johnson. So to me, this is this is the Rams. Uh, four, sure, uh, it's the Rams. I'm taking four, and on this total, I'm taking the over as well. Holmes, why don't you jump in, and I'll finish it up. You know what? This was a tough call for me looking at it. I mean, Connor, Sean, you guys make some great points there, and and as much as rookie quarterbacks can really struggle in their first start, and especially ones that have less than two minutes of playing time in their career so far, you know one, the, one sidearm throw tomes, and all of a sudden he's the best quarterback in football. You didn't know that? I don't know. Have you, have you spoken to any Dolphins fans lately? He's already a Hall of Famer, right? But I, I, I find it hard to believe that the Dolphins are going to not do their absolute everything in their power to make sure that that Tua is put into some situation that he is comfortable in with the scripted you know, playbook and, and game that that puts him in the best possibility to succeed. We also have a Rams team coming off a short week, Monday nighter, traveling now to Miami as well, too. And again, with the Dolphins having that extra week uh, to prepare, um, listen, this is for all my Dolphins fans out there. You guys know who you are. I'm taking the Dolphins. I'm taking the under. So... I get what Tomes is saying about rookie quarterbacks. Yes, they can struggle, but on the flip side, there's no tape. So if there's no tape, and we talked about this before, almost at nauseum, you know, Daniel Jones lit it up early last year because there just wasn't any tape. And obviously that's come crashing way down. Way, 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 way down. So I think, you know, is there some beginner's luck in here for Tua? Possibly, possibly. I would feel a lot better about this with the two of thing, if he had a back, like and not even a guy of this level, but imagine having a Kamara here, you know, so, you know, someone that he, I mean, shit, even a Mike Davis, you know, someone that you felt really comfortable checking the ball down to and could get chunk yardage, you know, I mean, God, even a chase Edmonds, right. Um, again, I'd love to roll with Tua here and take the dolphins. I've been on the record saying, I feel like the Rams aren't real, They've had an absolute abomination of a schedule so far. We can always talk about, you know, we always talk about how they're third in the league in sacks and Aaron Donald is scary. And yes, those things are true. But they are a bottom 10 defense in adjusted sack rate and they're middle of the pack in a pressure rate. So it's not like this is a landslide that 
you know, Donald and co are going to be all over, you know, and Leonard Floyd are going to be all over Tua. Like that's not guaranteed. The difference is, is that the Rams are the number one rush offense in DVOA. Henderson, we've talked about, is the number one running back of pro football focus. And Miami's dead last against the run in the same category. Yes, they are. That's right. So when Miami gets the ball, it's going to be really tricky because unless Tua is, is going to love Mike Gesicki and Preston Williams, he's going to be looking Devontae Parker's way. And next to Devontae Parker, they're going to see Jalen Ramsey. I don't love that. I don't love that. That's going to go poor for the Dolphins. So DFS fans, take a peek at Gasecki or Williams. You know, if you're hell-bent on getting a Dolphin, maybe they're the guy. But it's the Rams here. I mean, it's – I don't like the Rams. I don't trust it. But the the strengths of the Rams match the weaknesses of the Dolphins. So let's go Rams. Yeah, it's you made a really good point about uh, about the running back. I actually had that written down as well. It's just – if he had someone – and I'm not saying – I think it's Gaston. Is that the running back in, in Miami? Miles Gaskin. 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 He's been fine. Um, you know – Parker's limited, so if he doesn't play, that's another that's another issue. But yeah, no, we we I already mean, he uh, may as well not play anyway. He's Ramsey's going to swallow him whole, and that's why we move on to the next game. Another great defense against another mediocre team. The Indianapolis Colts are in Detroit taking on the Lions. The Lions are getting three points. The over under is fifty. I'll jump in here first, boys. That went over the wild. The Falcons last week was wild. I, can the Falcons find any other ways to lose? Gurley's done this before. He's stopped short of the goal line with a clear touchdown to win a, to win a game. And it's like the Lions almost outlines themselves where one of the defenders, I can't remember which one, actually went to tackle Gurley and tried to, he's like, oh shit, I shouldn't be doing this and tried to like contort himself. I think that messed up Gurley. I don't know. I, I've heard some theories that Gurley's got uh, obviously incentive to get touchdowns because of, you know, cha-ching money. But there's no reason to take the Lions here. Indy's coming off a bye. Their defense is fantastic. They are getting Darius Leonard back. The Lions are 5-12 and 12 against the spread in their last 17. Detroit should have no chance, so I'm taking the Lions because it's 2020, and this is the type of game that they win. When they're not supposed to win, they win the game. When they are supposed to win, they shit the bed. I'm taking the Lions, and I'm taking the under. This gets interesting really quick if the Lions score first. Um, I think Swift kind of emerging the last week and a half here as a really, 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 really good running back. Weird. Gonna, weird, huh? Is going to really help them out a lot. Um, you, you talk about having a guy that can end up being a safety net. I This guy, if they have nothing, this guy can still find a way to get you three yards. I, I really think that if the Lions score first, this gets, you know, I'm, I'm taking the under, but I'm also going to take the Lions with the points. Tom's. Yeah, I mean, I, I I had some notes here as well too. Like, you're gonna have to just continue pounding the rock with Swift. Like, give him balls, give him balls, let him run, let him yeah. try and break into space, right? Like, give him some more opportunities. And and I think you know you continue to do that. Hopefully, you run some play action, maybe over the top, and open some things up downfield. And, and like Connor said, I mean, this is this is interesting, especially if the Lions can score first in this game. Uh, on the other hand, I mean, you you have a good defense in India. You have a great defense in, in India, and you got a pretty good running back himself there in, in Jonathan Taylor, uh, who's going to be very important in this game as well, too. Um, I, I think if the Lions would have gotten a, a couple more points, maybe another point and a half, this would have been to four and a half maybe. I would have really leaned that way. I'm, I'm still trusting Indy's defense. Uh, so I'm going Colts, and I'm, I'm taking the over in this game. Remember, Tomes, there's no reason to take the Lions. It's just 
it's just the pick. Yeah. One one thing we got to watch for is we got a really good kicker duel here. Rodrigo Blankenship is kicking the hell out of the ball, and Matt Prater, that guy's leg just doesn't die. So I, I love I love a good kicker matchup. You guys you guys all know that. But so is Hecker one- punting the football in this game? That's what I want to know. No, he's insane oh. though. He's insane. So Lions have won three of their past four games. Win over the Cards, which we can all agree is a, is I would say a good good team. one. Yep, good one. Um, DeAndre Swift is finally running away with that job, as Connor said, like, and, and as Tom said, I mean, you know, it is so predictable. This guy was the best running back in the class and anyone that was suggesting otherwise just didn't watch college football. Nope. I'm sorry. He was just, he was just better than any other running back taken. So wasn't even close. Wasn't not even close. And when he fell to the lions, I bet they were dancing in the streets. They were there by Ford field. They were laughing. You know, I think, you know, we got to start giving some of these Lions some due. Matt Stafford, give that man his due. That is one of the eight to ten best quarterbacks in the league. Kenny Galladay, give baby Megatron, baby Dez some due. That guy is an animal. To me, one of the five best receivers in the game, full stop, beast with Kenny G. You know, they're not going to get Everson Griffin this week, who they just traded for. He's really going to help trade flowers. He isn't active until they play the Vikings. Uh, As everyone's mentioned, the Colts are coming off a bye, and Darius Leonard did practice yesterday, so it sounds like he'll come back. Phil Rivers is coming off an encouraging, you know, encouraging performance against Cincinnati, but encouraging nonetheless. So everything's sort of pointing to the fact that, again, it's Indy. The problem is I'm just not sold on this offense. You know, Frank Reich really hasn't given Jonathan Taylor the starting job outright, which is ridiculous considering Jordan Wilkins is balls. And, you know, they keep spelling him. T.Y. Hilton hasn't been involved. It's been all of a sudden it's like Mo Ali Cox, Jack Doyle and Trey Burton. It's like, I don't understand why have wide receivers on your team. They, they drafted Paris Campbell. They drafted Michael Pittman, who's hurt. You know, why, why are you only throwing to tight ends? So um, I, I just don't like the offense. I don't trust it. I, I don't like it. I think the Lions are slowly figuring out who they are. They are a team that has a so-so defense. They're letting Stafford cook with Swift. I got the Lions here, and you know what? They're winning outright. Let's go. Let's Lions. go. So uh, we weren't having this game in this week. Oh, but I, after I, I doing, had to. I had to. After doing our pre-show with, uh, with my brother, obviously, we have the New York Jets for the first and last time on this show in Kansas City to play the Chiefs. The spread is Chiefs minus 19 and a half, 19 and a half points. Over under is 49. Ian, you picked it. Talk about it. I'm fired up. All right, here we go. One thing to consider before we shit all over the Jets, and Lord knows they deserve it. 19 plus point favorites are three and 13 versus the spread. That coupled with the fact that Mahomes may be sitting the second half out. Those are your two and only reasons to pick the Jets here. So if you believe in those two strongly, go ahead and pick the Jets. The Jets offense is last in the league by a wide margin. For the self-proclaimed offensive coach that Gase apparently is, it's pretty amazing this feat of ineptitude, especially considering the staggering amount of ineptitude that he has already built up in his coaching career. Their defense is putrid. So I'm, I'm just not sure there's going to be a ton of drives where the Chiefs don't score. I mean, Harrison Butker is an unbelievable kicker. So how many drives are there going to be where they go three and out or get to the 50 and punt? I just don't see it. I mean, 
Look, if honestly, if I if I was the Chiefs, I wouldn't even dress my punter. I would dress like an extra wide receiver, extra linebacker, an extra kicker. I wouldn't even bother having a punter. What's the point? There, you're not going to have any possessions where you don't score. The, the main reason I'm taking the Chiefs is because we see this in basketball all the time when Golden State was winning every year. Champions typically need a reason to motivate themselves with outside factors to get geared up for random games in the middle of October. We, we see this and we see this all the time. Those games, particularly those games against like horseshit opponents like the Jets. So in this case, it's a Le'Veon Bell revenge game. So I can definitely see when the Chiefs are up 30 to six in the third quarter that Mahomes just starts peppering Le'Veon with dump offs just to shove it in Gase's face. I see a big game from Bell, and I say I see the Chiefs covering this without question. It is the Chiefs minus 19 and a half. You may not be invited back next week, even though it's also your podcast. The fact that you went three minutes on this game is ridiculous. Connor. I don't even think it's going to stop with Mahomes, man. I think if Chad Henney ends up getting this game, he's going to keep Pepper and Levy on Bell. Can I ask a question about Chad Henney? Why was everyone going? Why was he going absolutely insane when he got his touchdown last week? What was I mean, that about? I would have too. No, I, but it's not like you're a rookie; it's your first touchdown. Like this guy was a starter, anyways. I, I, I couldn't. Sorry, went to Michigan. My apologies. Let him have his I, fun. Yeah, I. The only thing I worry about, and I kind of had a question I wanted to pose to you guys: Do any of you worry about the Chiefs falling asleep? No. No. Cool. Me either. I'm going Doesn't mean they'll Chief. cover, but they will not. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going Chiefs plus a zillion. Minus a zillion. Minus a zillion. How's, how's gambling work? Why am I wondering yeah, that? If you take them plus yeah. a zillion, I guarantee you will win. Tomes. Terrible odds. I mean, I do a little bit. Like, do the Chiefs even, like, I think they're already watching film for who they're playing the week after. I mean, this is a team that is, without a doubt, you'd think, should cover this game no matter what. Like, this is a college game day spread, right? I mean... Actual facts. <laughs> but... I, TCU versus Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> Same for both, like, two weeks. <laughs> like, but the, the, thing, the, thing, the, thing for, the thing for me is just, like, I mean, I've, I've watched a lot of these 4 o'clock or 4.30 Eastern time Kansas City games lately, and I don't know, man. Like, yeah, they're still a good team. They're an unbelievable team. They have so many weapons on both sides of the ball. They look bored sometimes to me. I don't know. They they, they honestly look like they're not challenged. I don't know if this falls into it maybe this time. I don't know if it falls into, like you said, that they just they get up by an exorbitant amount of points and Chad Kenny comes in and, and, and craps the bed or they just run the ball. I don't know. I, I, I think – I think we could see maybe a very late, ridiculous sort of backdoor cover here from the Jets team. I mean, this is a team that that. Can I pose a question to you, Tomes? So you yeah. say backdoor cover. How exactly do they plan to do that? Because again, in order to backdoor cover, you have to score the football. So yes, up twenty-one with with three minutes left. Chad Henney throws a pick six, and the game's over. Something crazy like that. That's what I mean. Who's going right? to intercept the ball? Pierre Desir, put yeah, respect was, yeah, on his said, name. You said, yeah. Was, but I mean, that that's 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 for me, and and maybe I want to try a little be be different, be a little bold, be a little brave on, on this pick. I mean, forget about last week and, and and their game against the Bills and the fact that I mean, listen, 
the Bills should have completely manhandled the Jets last game, but they didn't score a touchdown. And I'm not saying that's going to be anywhere near the close to what's going to happen this week with the Chiefs. But but I'm I'm going to go on the other side of the ball here. I'm going to take I'm going to take the Jets with the points, and I'm going to take the over as well. Yeah, I'm livid, rascal. I'm livid. We spent six minutes, seven minutes on this. This is ridiculous. Okay, it is way too many points. What's more wild is that Odd Shark has the score predicted as 41-6. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen in this game. The Jets are going to score first because the Chiefs aren't going to be taking it seriously. And what's going to happen is the Chiefs are then going to take it seriously and they're going to win 42 to 7. That's what's going to happen. So oh, they I are going plan to... on scoring. Okay, so it doesn't matter. So hold Frank the Gore? One thing, the one thing that I do want to say is the Jets defense is not putrid. The Jets defense is 20th in the NFL. They've actually done okay. Are they are they average? No. Are they below average? Yes. Are they putrid? No. But this is the best offense in football. What you will, what you don't want to see is the Chiefs up 21 nothing, and then they're like, all right, we're shutting it down. That's when Tomes is going to win. So I'm predicting the Jets score first. The, the life of God is scared into the Chiefs for about a half a second, and then they kill, they kill them. So I'm also taking the Chiefs, and I'm also taking the over because all the Jets need to do is score a touchdown for this over to come in. So let's get to the 49ers at the Seahawks. The Seahawks are laying three points. The over-under is 54. Wait, to, uh, I have one question. Yes. One question, and then I want you to read that again. Is Sam Donald the worst quarterback in the league? No. Go ahead. You just say no? You don't have an answer? Yeah, who is it? Like, like as a starter? In the league. Obviously, like, third string Tim Tebow is worse than Sam Donald. I just mean... Oh, I I take Tebow over Donald. Okay, is Sam Donald the worst quarterback in the league? Yes. And if it isn't, who is it? No, it's it's Darnold, and I, and it's unfair because he has talent to be better, which is I, I think what Tom's sitting talented. there thinking. But he's the worst quarterback in the you league. You can't. Right now. There's nobody I had, else. I had, I had one quarterback in mind, then I realized it was the same quarterback that plays on his team as Joe Flacco. <laughs> they have the two worst. The backup doesn't it. count. We're cutting. <laughs> we're cutting all of this. We're cutting all of this. This is crazy. Okay, can we get to the Seahawks and Joe the Falcons? I really please. like our Jets podcast. This is great. So you were gonna say Joe Flacco? He's on his team. Oh my god, this <laughs> might have, this might might have to stay in. 49ers. God, like, God, like they got the two worst. Come on, they got the two worst. Is it only because Sam Darnold sees ghosts? Is that the only reason? If you ever needed more evidence that they were tanking. They didn't and even they, bring anyone in to challenge Darnold. They were like, "Oh, Flacco sucked in Denver. Let's if we end up pulling Darnold, like we're not going to win with him." Oh man! Oh man! Sorry, next game. That. Next right. game. Okay, go, go, go. The, the, the 49ers are at the Seahawks. The Seahawks are laying three. As I've already said, the over/under is fifty-four. Uh, Connor, go ahead. I don't want to turn my football brain back on after doing Chiefs chats. <laughs> like it's so hard to follow that up. And with then the real you got the, one of the hardest games of the week. We should have done Chiefs chats last. <laughs> uh, I have the Seahawks. I have the over. I'm still not betting against Russ. Period. End of story. That game. The fact that we still almost covered an overtime last game was insane. DK ran into the end zone, and I screamed and woke up my pregnant wife, and then got yelled at for waking her up. Um, only for there to be a holding penalty on it. Because at first I was like, oh, sweet. I just won four units. And then, you know, I'm now one shout of the five, out Sophie. which is sick. Yeah, shout out Sophie. But yeah, oh. uh, I'm, take, I'm taking Seattle. I'm taking the over. And I'm not going to scream if this game goes to overtime, I've learned. Ride or die, Tomes. 
Yeah, I mean, 49ers have got out, you know, nice little little streak here. They're playing well. They look good. But, I mean, this team is, is banged up on the offense, specifically, like, at running back. Like, I mean, you could be without Mostert, Coleman, Wilson, McKinnon, and Debo Samuel this week as well, too, right? Uh, no, he's out. He's out. He, he's a fit. Yeah. So, I mean, regardless of, of him being in or out, I, I was taking Seattle all the way, and I'm going to stick with that. I, I like Russ. I like him. And that offense bouncing back, especially after last week's game. And uh, I'm going to take the over as well here. Seattle's been begging for a team to beat them for six weeks. And finally, last week, a team beat them. And that was the Cardinals. They, they can't play a normal game. They just can't. I wrote this 49ers team off as terrible. Terrible. Like three weeks ago. And then they beat the Rams. And They have a real identity, man. They really started winning games. And I called them out for not having an identity. And they do now. They are a big physical, make life tough on you, run the football with whatever live human being is standing behind Jimmy Garoppolo. That's their, that is who they are. With that said, Seattle dominates the 49ers. 11 and two straight up over the past 13 games. Yes, the Seahawks defense is terrible, but they are above average against the run. Against the rush, they are ninth in the NFL. So I'm going to go with the Seahawks. I'll lay the three points. I think it's just, to your point last week, Ian, with the Cardinals and the Seahawks, who do you think is going to win the game? Who do you think is going to win the game? And I think the Seahawks win the game. And uh, I'm taking the over. So I, before I get in and talk about the Seahawks, I just want to say one thing about the 49ers. Um, can we give a shout out to Fred Warner? I mean, this may be the best coverage linebacker I've ever seen. That dude is legit everywhere and to anyone out there who doesn't know who fred warner is that's completely okay to everyone go, out there who doesn't know who fred warner is google google him and look at all the martial arts stuff he does it's wild okay but we are talking about like this guy is a freak 54 watch him for the 49ers see you know we talked about the 49ers injuries and they're well documented um i think you're gonna see it's the offense is gonna be like jimmy g kittle jamichael hasty and brandon Ayuk. I mean, that's far from ideal. You know, Seattle does have some injuries too. Jamal Adams, Chris Carson, and Shaq Griffin all potentially could be out. Um, and no Carson, I think no Carson and potentially no Hyde actually works for Seattle in their favor because there's no excuse not to just let Russ cook all the time. Like, I think, you know, this could be a game where he's throwing the ball 40 times. Um, Sean mentioned, I mean, God, they've been, Seattle's playing in all these close games, and it's because of how useless that defense is. They set an NFL record for yards against at, for, with 2,875 through six games. They are 23rd in points allowed, 30th in first downs allowed, and 31st in pass, passing downs allowed. Now, for Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins, that creates a problem. For the Jimmy G led with Ayuk and Kittle and Jamichael Hasty, it's not as scary. So I do have Seattle here, and I have the over. I think Russ is going to cook hard in this one. And I just think, you know, the, the 49ers, I love them to death. They play their hearts out. But, man, they have so many freaking injuries. Yeah, and, and they, have a good, they have a good defense. But against the pass, they're just slightly above average. So that does not bode well here. The final the way, game. Kyle Shanahan is a, is a hell of a coach. The final game. I actually don't have a pick yet. So I'm going to defer. I have notes. I have thoughts. But I'm going to defer here. Ian, why don't you go first? The, the, sorry, the game is the Bucks at the Giants. The Giants are getting 11 points. The over-under is 46. 
Again, Ian, to you. Look, I, the Giants have hung in tough. You know, um, I've considered taking the points. I've gone back and forth. But I just, when you really, really look at it, it's just a stupid thing to do. I think the Bucs are in the point now where, you know, they're signing Antonio Brown. They are, I think they are trying to punk the rest of the league. And that's just, I, I think the Bucs are, they're just hounding people right now. They got the best defense in football. They're leading the NFC in sacks, 12 created turnovers. Like this can all like, and, and here's the problem. If you have a team that gets to the quarterback, which the Bucs do, and a team that creates turnovers, which the Bucs do, and you play a quarterback who's turned the ball over 34 times in 20 games, that's just not good. And that strikes me as 11 isn't enough points. I mean, I think this should be 14. Um, Devin White and Levante David are going to be all over the place. I mean, they just fly. Add in the fact that the Bucks' young secondary features the number two and number 14 cornerbacks on pro football focus. That's Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis. This is a stud defense. What exactly do the Giants plan on doing? The Bucs just destroyed the Raiders, just destroyed the Packers. I do understand that Chris Godwin is hurt. I do. I have picked Scotty Miller on my DFS love list the last three weeks. Pick it again. He is going to have a big game. James Bradbury is going to see a lot of Mike Evans. Miller's going to cruise. Bucks are the single best team in the NFL. Write that in Sharpie. Time we start acting like it. Bucks, 11 points. If you're a Giants fan, this has to kind of suck to watch, right? Like you took Andrew Thomas, pick number four this last draft, and you could have had Werfs. And by no means am I saying that Werfs is like a god on the offensive line, but he is really good and he has really helped that Tampa Bay line out. Sure. And you, you're watching Andrew Thomas just kind of block nothing like every other play. And that's got to be maddening for any Giants fan. So I just, uh, just a quick shout out. That's a side thought. I feel sorry, Giants fans. You're going to have to watch that because against this Bucks front seven, I don't know that he's going to be blocking much of anything the entire game. I'm taking the Bucks. I'm taking the over. Go ahead, Tomes. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 thought coming into this season that there was just too much going on in Tampa. I didn't really peg them as, as a real team. I had them going, I think nine and seven. I will gladly stand here and say, I will eat my words. I was completely wrong about this team. I have this team going 12 and, and four for the rest of the season, winning their division. I, I really like what I'm starting to see here. I mean, you know, Brady's coming off, I think you could possibly say one of his best performances this season as a Buccaneer. And, and Tampa's running game is really starting to show improvements. I mean, I really like Rojo. I really like what he's doing back there. And 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 with Fournette, too, I mean, it's a solid tandem. It really is. Uh, New York has been nothing short of just absolute ugly on offense, especially without Barkley. I mean, they rank 31st in both scoring and, and yards per contest. I mean, that's, that's tough, man. And, and, and you allow Wentz and a, a depleted Eagles team to, to throw for almost 400 yards last week. Like for me, this is, this is a no brainer. I'm taking the bucks in this one. I'm taking the under as well. So this is tough for me. Cause like I said, I don't have a pick, but I am perfect on Monday nights in the past week. So I have to keep I, – I have a reputation now. Subtle flex. As Mr. As Mr. Monday night. Humble break. Everyone's slurping the Bucks. Rightfully so. They are analytical darlings. They're darlings to the eye test. They have a very solid offense. Their defense is incredible. And 
very solid is probably an understatement. They have a great offense, and their defense is incredible. Ian, is A.B. playing in this game? He is not. Week 9. Ooh, that would have helped my Giants pick. Ah, I'm going to go with the Bucs. I'll take the 11 points. I, I hate this. It just, just feels like the Giants get up, and the Bucs are just fighting their way back. They end up winning the game. They don't cover check I, I i'm gonna pull the i'm gonna pull the uh the chicken move on this i'm gonna say i'm gonna just leave all that out there that they probably won't cover even though i'm picking them so that i can come back next week like hey i told you they weren't gonna cover but i didn't have i didn't have the the guts to do it so let's quickly review it before i get to something really new before we get out of here we had the steelers at the ravens uh ravens by three and a half ian myself and tomes all have the ravens connor has the steelers the rams are at the dolphins dolphins plus four uh, Connor has the Rams. I have the Rams. Ian has the Rams. Tomes has the Dolphins. Indy at the Lions. Lions plus three. Connor, myself, and Ian all have the, the Lions. Tomes has Indy. So Tomes is the fader this week. Jets at Chiefs. Three of us have the Chiefs, and the one that doesn't is Tomes, who has the Jets. That's uh, another fade. We have the 49ers at the Seahawks. Seahawks by three. We all have the Hawks. And then the final game, we all have the Bucks with the Bucks giving 11 points to the Giants. So quick add to this week. I added one of the other boys in the Stans clan to give his picks. And that person is my son. He's a three-year-old. And he is, I, I shit you not, this kid is like 17 and one when I ask him. When the Leafs were in the playoffs, I would ask him for every game, are the Leafs going to win? When he said yes, they won. When he said no, I wanted to give him back to, to you know, potentially to an orphanage because I knew that they were going to lose. Same thing happened this year with the Raptors. I, t- I kid you not. The only game that he lost was one of the Boston games. He picked Toronto when Boston came back to win. So the only thing before I read the picks is I have to ask you this. I didn't ask him about spreads. I just said the team name. Do we give him the spreads for the games or does he just do money line on all the picks that he had? I think money uh, give, line. Give him money, money line. Parlay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So oh, he's yeah. money line. Okay. Yeah. Money so, line parlay. 16 here, parlay. Here's Carter's corner for the week. Carter has Pittsburgh outright in Baltimore. He has the Dolphins outright at home. He has the Lions outright at home, the Chiefs outright, the Seahawks outright, and the Giants outright. So, again, Pittsburgh, the Dolphins, the Lions, Chiefs, Seahawks, and Giants. Boy, is that kid's record going to get tarnished this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, and that's kind of why I was hoping we gave him the spread because he'd have a little bit better chance. But hey, seventeen and one is seventeen and one. So yeah. one thing I want to say before we go, one thing I want to say, everyone needs to watch the Browns now and know that they are definitely going to make the playoffs because I think this offense, and I don't want to be the guy who zags when everyone zigs, but I think this offense is better without Odell o- o- Beckham Jr. on it. Ooh, Ewing theory potential. I think that this offense is better suited with Landry Higgins and two tight ends than they are with trying to force Beckham to get involved. And I'm going to leave that there. I firmly believe that. I will gladly, gladly eat crow if I'm wrong. But I really believe that this offense, Baker Mayfield was better pre-OBJ. Remember that. Quick, quick uh, interjection here. I don't think they're forcing the ball to Odell. I just don't think Baker can see him. I think Baker stinks. So, boys, it's another week. Another set of picks. We really appreciate you guys coming on. Once again, boys, this has been another episode of the From the Stands podcast. Make sure to check us out on Instagram, at From the Stands, on Twitter, at From the Stands pod. Ian, sign everyone off.
Everybody, we are up to almost a thousand cases a day in Ontario for COVID. I want to start going to sporting events. I want to start going to bars. There's nothing I like more than taking shots with my friends at the bar, watching sports at a bar. I love all that. I want to get back to doing that. But the only way we can get back to doing that is by doing the right thing. Please, everyone, social distance. Don't leave your house if you don't need to. Wear your mask. Let's get through this together because I want this back too. I want life back too, but we can only do it together. I love you guys. Thanks for listening.